We want to say shalom to the brothers and sisters worldwide. Today we are, we are going into an in-depth lesson on the Passover and also the origin of Easter. So today's lesson will be called Passover or Easter. Now we thought it would be a great time to bring this forward since Passover is March 24th. March 24th is the Passover. So we wanted to present you with the history in conjunction with the spiritual significance of Passover and the origin of Easter. Therefore, you can make an educated decision on the worships that you follow. Today, we have a plethora of historical records to prove the accounts of the Bible through secular sources. So first, we're going to go into the Passover. What is the history? What's the origin of the Passover, brothers and sisters? We're going to Leviticus 23, and we're going to read 1 through 6. Now, Leviticus 23 is a lexicon or a directory of the holy days that the children of Israel are supposed to follow, to observe. So if you ever want to know about the holy days, brothers and sisters, go to Leviticus 23, read the entire chapter. That is the lexicon of the holy days. Let's start at verse 1, brother. Leviticus 23, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. These, what we're about to go into, are the Most High's feasts. Holy convocation means a holy gathering, brothers and sisters. The same way you do on your holidays, you have Christmas dinner, right? You have uh, Easter dinner, you have dinners or feasts with all of these pagan worships. Continue, brother. Verse 3, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. We know that the Sabbath is Saturday. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is the Sabbath. It's a weekly Sabbath. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So before he goes into the yearly holy days, he goes into the weekly holy day, which is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday, brothers and sisters. You should not do any work. Because why? You should not bank. Because why? The Most High gave you six other days to work. He gave you six other days to spend money, go to mall, or whatever it is that people do today. So if you can, if there's a way that you have the leeway um, you need to have off on the Sabbath, brothers and sisters. Now, if you don't have that leeway as of this time, that's okay, too, because you're dealing with the, what, the grace that came with Christ. You're dealing with the grace, brothers and sisters. That don't mean just because you have to work that you should spend money, though. Oh, you should go buy lunch now, or you should do this or get a coffee in the morning. It's still the Sabbath. So just because you have to work don't mean you have to break the entire Sabbath. Continue, brother. Verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy, holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In their seasons. Now, remember, brothers and sisters, those of us who have followed the church know that March 11th was the new year. March 11th was a new year. So anybody who follows our church knows that you find the day that have the equal parts night and equal parts day which is in the spring, and that next day, that following day, is a new year. We're not following the time, the times of the Romans, where their new year is in January. According to the Most High God, the new year, the Hebrew new year, the Israelite new year, is when? 
March, in the spring, when things are new, when it's warm, when you see pollen, you see flowers blooming. That's the new year. March 11th, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 5. And the 14th day of the first month at even. Now, the 14th day of the first month. So we know that this is the first month that we're in now, which is March. Now, 14 days from the new year, which was March 11th, which is two Sabbath, is what? The Passover. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. And the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, anybody who have any historical knowledge concerning the Bible understands that the, the, pat or the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins with the Passover. Feast of Unleavened Bread is connected to the Passover. Once the Passover is over on Saturday night, which is Saturday night, then as, then as the new day is coming in, it's what? The Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days, for a week long, in which we withstain from, with, from bread with leaven in it or yeast in it. Read five and six one more time, brother. Verse five. And the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall have an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Right. So on that, on the first day and the seventh day, the first day and the seventh day, you would have a holy convocation. So it's not a necessarily you have to come together with everybody all seven days. But the first day and the last day, ye shall come together to, to observe this holy day. Read verse 8, brother. Verse 8. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is in holy convocation. So the first and the seventh day is a holy convocation. Our church will get together on the first day, of course, the day of Passover, the 24th, into the, the sundown, which is what? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then we'll come together again on the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Read 5 and 6 again, brother. Verse 5. <clears throat> And the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Right. So we're not going to read the entire chapter. Why? Because we just wanted to go into the Passover. So we wanted to show you that the Passover is written in Scripture. You actually have Scripture that substantiates that worship of Passover. Now, this is the Old Testament. Why? Because the Old Testament is where... The Passover was instituted. And we're going to show you what's the origin of the Passover. A lot of brothers and sisters will be celebrating Easter this year. We're going to go into the origin of that. So my question is, should you not celebrate the days that you can find written of in Scripture over the days you can't find in Scripture? You can't find Christmas in Scripture. You can't find St. Patrick's Day in Christmas. You can't find okay, these days in, in Scripture. But you're you're following, but you're you're observing them, and then a day like the Passover, which is one of the most you know a high holy day, one of the most important times in history for an Israelite, and you won't follow that. We're going to go to the origin of the Passover, brothers and sisters. Exodus chapter twelve. This was the Exodus, brothers and sisters. 
when we were coming out of Egypt. We're going to read 1 through 9. Exodus 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Right. Now, why is he telling them when the beginning of the year is? Because why? Because clearly they're not on the Egyptian's time. Because if they were, the Most High wouldn't need to tell them what time it was. To prove you that Israelites are not on the time of these secular, worldly uh, nations, these Gentiles. We don't follow Gentile times because they told us that January 1st is the new year. Why? Because you said so? So we're not on their time. We're on the most highest time, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their father. Right. So on the tenth day you should separate. You should take the lamb. You should find a lamb. Now, those of us who know history know lamb or goat was lawful to be sacrificed. Continue, brother. Verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your your account for the lamb. Right, so there must there needed to be enough for the, everybody. That's what this is saying. Continue, brother. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Your lamb should be without blemish. That means without infirmities. This needed to be a, 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 a clean not just in its appearance, but, you know, the inside of it, the meat, the actual, the actual, the actual mindset. Read that one more time, brother. Verse five, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. See, so sheep and goats. Look, this is where this is the origin of the Passover, brothers and sisters. Now, if you're an Israelite. I'm talking about the Jews who are who? The African-Americans. You have Benjamin, which is who? The, those of the West Indies. You have the Hawaiians, the Micronesians, the, the Philippines, the Vietnamese, the Puerto Ricans, the Cubans. Uh, you have, who, 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 you have uh, the Aborigines of Australia. You have the North American Indians. This, this particular story have everything to do with you. This is when your people were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. So the, and, and I didn't name all of them because, you know, this is not a lesson on the 12 tribes. But for those of us who know we're Israel, this is something that was commemorated in a memorial unto us for what the Most High did for us. I just saw people celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And I'm thinking, did, they, did, did the Irish celebrate Black History Month? Not that I celebrate Black History Month because I don't. But I'm just saying, we'll go follow Gentiles days and then <laughs> you're on your own when it comes to yours. Because <laughs> you're looking to what? To, to be accepted. They're not looking to be accepted. Stick with your culture, brothers and sisters. Things that you can substantiate through scripture. Read verse five one more time, brother. Verse five. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Right. So you should kill it on the fourteenth, which is actually the Passover. So separate it four days prior. Then the congregation 
shall kill it at evening. Remember that at evening. Why? Because at the evening is a new day. It's a new day in the evening, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse seven. And they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. So wherever you're eating the Passover, you must what? Drain the blood. You must drain the blood from the unblemished lamb and, and, you know, put it on the the borders of your door as a sign to the most high God. This is where it comes from, brother, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse seven. And they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh and that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Right. Unleavened bread. <laughs> Some of us may not remember where that actually came from. It's saying unleavened bread because why? After the Passover, after the death angel went over Egypt, a lot of Egyptians died. Their firstborns died. So Pharaoh, the Most High let us know that Pharaoh would come to us early in the wee hours and tell us what? You get up out of here. I'm going to let you go. And we needed to run in haste. We needed to run in haste because why? We don't want him to change his mind. And we got out there without, we, there was not enough leaven. There was not enough yeast. So because of that, our, our people being in the wilderness, we celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days after the Passover. As a memorial unto God, brothers and sisters. Read verse 8 again, brother. Verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw. Read that again. Verse 9. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water. That means not boiled. So he's telling you how it must be cooked. So you can't boil it. You can't eat it raw. Continue, brother. Verse 9. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. Right. Now, he's he's telling you it, it, needs to be, it can't be raw, it needs to be roasted. It can't be boiled. So he's telling you specifically how it's to be prepared. Continue, brother. Verse 10. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with the fire. Right. So we couldn't, it, everything that was prepared must have been eaten that night or burned with fire. We're getting ready, we're running out of here. We're running out of Egypt. So a lot of people don't even know that when we were Israelites, it was unlawful to have leftovers. A lot of people don't even know that. Why? Because you're supposed to kill enough to eat for that night. You can't just be, you know. So that's when we were people, though. I'm not saying, you know, you can't eat leftovers now. I know women are probably jumping for joy now. Now they can go out every day. But no, we're just telling you, you know, that was part of our culture during that time when you were actually killing an animal at that time. You killed enough so you can feed your family. Continue, brother. Verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It's the Lord's Passover. Passover is written all throughout Scripture, brothers and sisters. All throughout Scripture. He's saying with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. That means eat the Passover and be ready to go. Be ready to go. And that's how we must be mentally. We must be ready to go mentally, brothers and sisters. This was the Lord's Passover. This is the origin. This is the first time in history 
that the Passover was celebrated by the children of Israel. Continue, brother. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Read that again. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Right. I am the Lord. Right. I am. Ahia. I am the Lord. Now, this this was the, the sign or the token. That's why you had to put the blood over the door. And see, the thing was, other records tell you that those who were caught out, you needed to it tell you to eat the Passover and don't come out of the house. So don't come out of the house. Eat the Passover. And if you're caught in the streets, you're taken by that spirit, by that angel. Brothers and sisters. So the Most High said he's going to smite the firstborn in the land. Man and beast. So he, he wasn't a respecter of, <laughs> of persons. Even beasts were going to die, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. See, this is where the term Passover came from. You're covered in the blood. Therefore, the death will pass over you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Read that again. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. A memorial, brothers and sisters. And you shall keep in a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Throughout your generations. That means forever, brothers and sisters. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Forever. Don't allow anybody to tell you that you don't need to celebrate the Passover. This is the night when our people were freed from Egypt. This was this was that night. This was the same night that Christ was offered up. Offered up. I asked a pastor years ago. We, you know, he was talking about you know Christmas and some of the other things, Easter. And I asked him, okay, brother, uh, you know, I understand everything you're saying. I grew up in the Christian church, but when was the Passover? He said Passover. I said, yeah, the Passover. He's like, yeah, uh, that was the Old Testament. We don't deal with that no more. I'm like the Passover, brother. That was the New Testament. Also, when Christ was given up for our sins, that's the Passover, brother. So, you know, I'm flabbergasted that a lot of our people know when Christmas is, when Easter is, 4th of July, Groundhog's Day, all these other rubbish, and don't even understand the significance of the Passover, which is when our people were freed from the Egyptians, the Africans. The Africans were looking to, you know, enslave us. Those were black, that was black on black crime, brothers and sisters. We're not Egyptians. We serve the Egyptians. Continue. Uh, read that one more time, brother. Verse fourteen. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it in a, a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Right. We're going to jump to verse nineteen. We're going to read nineteen through twenty-one. Verse nineteen. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. Right. So we know that after the Passover is what? The Feast of Unleavened Bread in conjunction with the Passover. The Passover is the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Read that again, brother. Verse 19. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. 
For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Right. So even the Gentiles would be cut off from being, you know, congregating with Israel. If you, you know, didn't partake in observing this particular holy day, it said that leaven must be put out of your houses. Why? Because the Most High didn't want you to remember it. He didn't want you to be tempted or to think about it. And there's a spiritual significance behind the unleavened bread, which we have a lesson prepared for you at a later date. Today, we just want to go into, you know, we just want to go into the Passover and Easter. But we're going to go into these scriptures further. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 19. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Right. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread should be celebrated by removing leaven from our homes so we don't consume anything with leaven for seven days. For seven days we are to feast and celebrate, but the first and the seventh day shall be a holy convocation. Continue, brother. Verse 20. Ye shall eat nothing leavened, and all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. Right, in all your habitations. So wherever you're at, you should still celebrate this holy day. That's what this is saying. Verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. See, so that lamb, this was for the Israelites. The Israelites on Passover sacrificed lamb. That means they ate lamb, brothers and sisters. A lamb had to be sacrificed and died. You had to put the blood over the door, then eat the lamb, brothers and sisters. This is the origin of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So don't don't allow anybody to say that the Passover is done away with or the holy days are done away with. Because why? The Most High said in all your generations, in any land that you're in. And that's key that it says in any land that you're in because I've had Israelites tell me, that uh, we're not in Israel no more, so we don't need to be, you know, we don't need to celebrate holy days, which is some of the most confused stuff I've ever heard in my life. Because we weren't even when this was we were when this was we weren't even in Israel then, and we were sacrificing. So I don't that that's a that's a that's a holy doctrine. There's got many holes in that belief. We're going to go to Isaiah 66 because we need to show you that we don't. We don't celebrate the holy day like that anymore. We don't kill lambs and put the blood on the door. And some people may be laughing, saying, well, we know that. Well, I, you know, in the times past, we had a sister that learned with us. And, you know, she learned with us for quite some time. And then when the Passover came, I think the day before, I, I asked her, was she coming? And she pretty much told me, well, yeah, I read the story of the Passover and they were putting blood on doors. So I don't, that sounds like sorcery to me. And I'm not going to be a part of it. And, um... I said, okay, sister, shalom. But we don't do that. And that's why it's key that you have somebody that's able to, you know, sit down with you and show you and answer your questions. Because people will start reading the Bible like that without any context or any understanding and completely pull themselves out of the Bible, out of the scripture. And make believe something that the Bible is not saying. This was the Old Testament of what happened. This was the memorial there's a new way that we celebrate the, the holy day of the Passover. Because why? Because Christ was the Passover lamb. So we don't need to put the blood over the door. The blood is on you. Because he died for you, brothers and sisters. We, gotta, we need to show you 
that we don't kill animals no more in regards to sacrifice. We're going to read Isaiah 66. We're going to read verse 2 and 3. Isaiah 66, verse 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burned incense as if he blessed an idol. Yeah, that have chosen their own ways and their soul delighted in their abomination. Right, see, so the Most High is not accepting animal sacrifices anymore. Why? Because people were using it to pretty much get over they would continue to sacrifice for their sins, but they wouldn't change. They would continue to sin and then just sacrifice afterwards. So the Most High said, nah, you know what? You know, the Most High loved all his creation, not just quote unquote man. So he said they're dealing with their own ways and the Most High don't delight in animal sacrifice any longer. He delights in your obedience. So we need to show you that we're not even, we're not killing a lamb and putting the blood on our doorpost. We're not doing that. We are going to eat lamb. Because that's the sacrifice. Something had to die so we could be nourished. So we will eat the lamb. But brothers and sisters, please don't go put <laughs> put animal blood on your doors. Okay? Because then government's going to come knock on your door. <laughs> and be all in your business now. So brothers and sisters, be wise. Some of us, some people, I'm sure Israel, want to be holier than thou. They probably will go get some lamb's blood and put it up on the door just so they can be... Uh, deep or fake deep whatever you know but I'm sure somebody out there is doing it brothers and sisters the most high does not delight in animal sacrifice any longer we have further proof we're going to Isaiah chapter 1 and 11 further proof Isaiah 1 verse 11 to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me saith the Lord I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of eagles. So the Most High no longer delights in the blood of these animals. Continue. Verse 12. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Right. So who required you to, to do this? Who required you to do this? He said he's full. That means he's tired of it. He can't take no more. He didn't had enough of it. Continue, brother. Verse 13. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Right, so even the meeting. Why? Because you, you, you're doing it to a different God. Brothers and sisters, our people started doing this to another God. We started worshiping Yahweh. We started tw twisting it and turning it. And using sacrifices to sin. We would just kill animals. Therefore, we can go sin and do whatever we want to do. So the Most High said, uh, uh, we're going to have to close that out and have a new way. Continue, brother. Verse 14. Your new moon and your appointed feast, my soul hated. Read that again. Verse 14. Your new moon and your appointed feast, my soul hated. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands... I will hide mine eyes from you. Yeah, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Right, so if you don't follow the Most High correctly on His holy days and not holidays, 
he will not accept your prayers. He he covers his ears. He hides his eyes from seeing you when you when you need help. Why? Because you're following another God. Because you're not dealing in the spirit of Christ. Because you're following Easter when Easter's not in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible where the disciples or the Israelites celebrated Easter. We're, we're waiting on that scripture, Christians. We're waiting on that. Further proof, Amos 5 and 21. Because we've got to push this part home. There's a new way to, to follow the Passover. And it's not like the old way. Because I know some people who don't want to do it anyway will just use that as an excuse and say, Well, yeah, I don't want to put no blood on the doors. I, you know. We're going to read Amos 5. We're going to read 21 and 22. Amos 5, verse 21. I hate, I despise your feast of days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Right, see? So even though you're burning, you know, you're doing burnt offerings, the Most High is saying he will not accept them because your heart haven't changed. You haven't circumcised your heart. You're just dealing with the letter of the law. That's what you're dealing with. And Christ came to what? Christ came to fulfill that law of Passover by being the Passover lamb. Let us prove to you that Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. We're going to Isaiah 53 to show you that Christ was prophesied that he would have to die in the Old Testament. We're going to read 1 through 12. It's a short chapter. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath not formed nor comeliness. Remember the valley of the dry bones. Remember that. This is Christ. Christ was that tender plant. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness. So he had no form of comeliness. That means Christ wouldn't be a... You know, a particularly handsome man. Why? Because the Most High didn't want that to become people's focus. He didn't want people to be, you know, he had a job to do and he came just for that job. He came to do the will of the Most High. So he didn't need to be extremely handsome, as people would say. Continue, brother. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, we hid as it were our faces from him. We was despised and we esteemed him not. Uh, read verse 3 again, brother. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now who is this, brothers and sisters? And those who don't believe in Christ, I don't understand how you don't believe in Christ and you believe in the Old Testament. Because who is this if this isn't Christ? Who is this Israelites who don't believe in the New Testament? Continue. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Read that again. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Who was this? Who was wounded for our transgressions, brothers and sisters? This is Christ being prophesied in the Tanakh. Read that again, brother. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Continue. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned away. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right. So we all have turned our own way. And Christ came to fulfill that that sacrifice of that lamb, that unblemished lamb for all sins, for a multitude of sins, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. See, this is the Passover. Christ was brought as the lamb to the slaughter. This is the spiritual significance of the Passover from the New Testament to the Old Testament. Because why? Christ didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. So the Passover was in the law to celebrate it. Christ was that Passover lamb. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is doomed. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Right. So I asked an Israelite this one time. I said, well, who is this? Since you're saying Christ wasn't real and you don't believe in the New Testament, who was this? He said this was Israel. I'm like, what? He like, yeah, this this was Jacob. Jacob died for the transgressions of Jacob. I'm like, okay, brother. See, because you know who it is. You just had something that you don't like about Christ. I don't know what it is. You got the devil in, just like the Pharisees. Because this couldn't be anybody but Christ. I go to Jewish people all the time and ask them, well, who is this? They say, well, it, it could be anybody. It could be anybody. Oh, so it could be anybody but Christ, huh? Okay. Read verse 9 again, brother, please. Verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. He was the lamb. It was prophesied he would die for us. Continue. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Right. See, Christ would justify many by being a righteous servant. Continue. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. See, this was Christ. We needed to show you that Christ was was the lamb written of in scriptures. We needed to show you once once we go to the New Testament, which we're getting ready to do, that it was prophesied. So when Christ said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill, this is what he came to fulfill right here. This was prophesied. This was Isaiah, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Daniel 9 and 24. Daniel 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins. Continue. And, and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. See? So look at that. To make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring everlasting righteousness. That's Christ being prophesied 
in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Now we're going to show you Christ fulfilling the Passover. Because some people say that, oh, well, that's Old Testament, so we don't have to deal with that. It's not Old Testament. This was being done in the New Testament because why? Christ and the disciples celebrated the Passover, brothers and sisters. So there's no, there's no excuse on why you shouldn't be celebrating this particular holy day. We're going to Matthew 5 and 17, brothers and sisters. This is Christ's words. This is Christ. <clears throat> Matthew 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Christ didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. The prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, those are the prophets, brothers and sisters. That's the Tanakh. It says, I have come not to destroy, but to fulfill. Fulfill means you do what is in it. That's what fulfill means. Fulfill means he came to do what was written of in the law. Isaiah 53. What was written there. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Brother Corey, I need you to read Matthew 5 and 17 again. Verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. Right. I am not come to destroy, destroy, but to fulfill. Right, right. So we, we must understand that Christ kept the law. He didn't come to do away. Because some people say, well, since Christ came, I don't need to celebrate the Passover. That's false. And we're going to show you because Christ celebrated the Passover, brothers and sisters. He did not come to destroy the law, the prophets, or do away with what was written in the law. What's that? That's the Torah, the first five books of Moses. The prophets are the prophets. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. These are the prophets, brothers and sisters. So we're going to show you now the fulfillment. Since Christ said what? He said he didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. Let's see the fulfillment. Let's go to Luke 24 and 25. New Testament, brothers and sisters, Luke chapter 24, we're going to read verse 25 through 27. Luke 24, verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Right. So those who didn't believe what the prophets said, what did the prophets say? We just read Isaiah 53, saying that Christ was the lamb that would have to suffer for our iniquity. Continue, brother. Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Right. See, so Christ then went into the Old Testament, to the Torah, to the Tanakh, and started showing himself that he was the Messiah that was coming to save. See? So why? Because the New Testament didn't exist until over 200 years after Christ. So when Christ was walking around, he was using the Old Testament. That's why we had to start there in the Old Testament to show you that Christ was following the law that was instituted in Leviticus. Leviticus said the Passover should be celebrated unto all generations in all lands, no matter what land we're in. And Christ showed. He went to Isaiah 53 and showed in Jeremiah and Daniel and showed that he was the lamb that was come. So we needed to show you that Christ came to fulfill. Let us show you Matthew 26 and one to show you that fulfillment. Matthew 26 verse one. And it came to pass when Christ had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover. You know that what? After two days is the feast of the Passover. 
and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Right, to prove to you that they were celebrating the Passover and that was the day where he was crucified. See, Christ was that same lamb that was the blood was put on the doors. He was symbolic of that lamb, that unblemished lamb. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Further proof that Christ fulfilled the law. Let's jump to verse 6. We're going to read 6 through 12. Verse 6. Now when Christ was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the, the leper, there came unto him a woman, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head, as he sat in, at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? Right, so when you read other accounts of it, or other records, it tells you that Judas started to stir up the disciples, to say, we could have sold this alabaster, we could have sold this oil for much poor to give to the I mean, for much money to give to the poor. Continue. Verse 9, For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Christ understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. Right, so they said, don't trouble this woman. She's getting ready to prepare me for my death. Continue. Verse 11. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Right, so don't worry about the poor at this particular junction. Because why? Because you have me and I'm getting ready to die. You'll have the poor with you when I'm gone. Continue. Verse 12. For in that she hath, she hath poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Right. She poured the ointment on his body for his burial to prepare him, to prepare Christ as that lamb. We're going to jump to verse 14 through 19. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for the 30 pieces of silver. See, to prove to you that he, he had a vindictive thought. He wasn't looking to, because a lot of people don't know, but Judas was the treasury. He dealt with the money, giving the money to the poor and all of that. So he was the main, uh, you know, antagonist or person that was trying to say, you know, we should have saved that oil to give to the poor. And when really it wasn't about that, he had something in his mind that he wanted to do with that money. Therefore, he went and got that same 30 pieces of silver he would have got for the oil from, <laughs> from the chief priest in order to take Christ down. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. And said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. Now this, brothers and sisters, when Christ, I know y'all saw the Passion of the Christ in those movies, that was the Passover. When Christ was being whooped and beat, that was on the Passover. Why won't they tell you that? Why they have you believe in Easter, but won't even tell you the movie that everybody saw, which was Passion of the Christ, that was the Passover. That was being done on the Passover. Continue, brother. Verse 16. And from that time he saw opportunity to betray him. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Read that again. Verse 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Christ, saying unto him. To prove to you that Passover is the beginning of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Continue. Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? See? So on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, why? Because the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the Passover. It starts with the Passover. And in conjunction, as the sun goes down on the Passover, now you're in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Christ ate Passover. He ate lamb, brothers and sisters. They went to prepare for the Passover. Read that one more time, brother. 
Verse 17. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Christ, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a, such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My name is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Right, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. So further proof, Christ didn't even have a home. Further proof. And Christ kept the Passover. So there's no excuse on why we as followers of Christ should not be celebrating the Passover. Are you, are you a follower of Christ? Are you a Christian? Because Christians, these Christians celebrated the Passover. Continue, brother. Verse 19. And the disciples did as Christ had appointed them. And they made ready the Passover. Read that one more time. Verse 19. And the disciples did as Christ had appointed them. And they made ready the Passover. Right. Now, what you guys must understand is that Christ was the communion that we all know where Christ broke the bread. That was the day before Passover. Why? That was the, the, the night before Passover. Because Christ had to do the Passover dinner before the actual Passover. Because Christ wanted to celebrate it. See, Christ could have said, well, I'm dying tomorrow, so I'm not going to celebrate the Passover. No. He celebrated the Passover early and then still died. As a Passover lamb. And see, that's the spirit we must be in. A find any way. Go over the top to celebrate what the Most High said we should celebrate. Don't find an excuse not to do it. Christ knew he was getting ready to die the next day. And he still celebrated the Passover. Read that again, brother. Verse 19. And the disciples did as Christ had appointed them. And they made ready the Passover. Why don't they tell you in Christian theology that the quote-unquote Last Supper was Passover? Why don't they tell you that? See, that would make sense. Passover was written as a holy day. You see all these pictures of the Last Supper. See, they named it the Last Supper because they really didn't want it to be tied to Passover. So they gave it another name. Passover was the Last Supper, brothers and sisters. Let's jump to verse 26 through 29. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Christ took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. Now, this was unleavened bread also, brothers and sisters. So just remember that on the Passover, you, you, it's probably best to have unleavened bread then. Why? Because when the sun goes down, it's unleavened bread. And some people may still be eating while the sun is down. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Christ took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks. And gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. See, shed for many for the remission of sins, brothers and sisters. This was the Passover. Christ was the Passover lamb, as we read in Isaiah 53. Continue, brother. Verse 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine. Until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So Christ said, I won't drink wine again until we drink it together in the kingdom of heaven. So we needed to show you that that last supper that they always talk about was on the Passover. It was the night before the Passover. It was Friday night. Because why? During Saturday, on Saturday, throughout that day, during the day, because remember Christ was, he was crucified at the evening. As the sun was uh, going down, remember, he was beat, he was whooped, he had to carry the cross. All that happened on Saturday during the daytime. All that happened during the daytime, brothers and sisters. We needed to show you that Christ, 
celebrated the Passover. There is no excuse, pastors. There's no excuse, Christians or Israelites or anybody to not celebrate the Passover, especially if you're claiming you follow Christ. Let's go to Matthew 20 and 28, brothers and sisters. Further proof that Christ was the lamb for Passover. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but ministered, and to give his life a, a ransom for many. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He died for a multitude of sins, brothers and sisters. That's why it was on the Passover. See, so Christ fulfilled the law. I don't understand why Christians don't go into the Passover, but then they'll have you celebrate Easter, which have nothing to do with Christ or the Bible. And we're going to go into that today. We want to first go into what you should do. Then we'll address what you shouldn't do. We're going to go to, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to go to John 1 and 29, further proof to buffer that Christ was the lamb. We're going to John chapter 1, verse 29. John 1 and 29. The next day, John seeth Christ coming unto him and saith, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The lamb of God. See, Christ was the lamb. He represented the lamb from the Old Testament that was put, the blood was put on the doors, which take away sin from the world. That was the Passover when Christ died for our sins, brothers and sisters. How can you accept, you know, him dying on the cross for your sins, but not commemorate the day when it happened, which is the Passover. The Passover is probably, to me at least, uh, the most important holy day that there is. How could you not celebrate the Passover? A lot of people don't even know what the Passover is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 29. The next day John seeth Christ coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away sin of the world. Right. So this is the further this is further proof that we're not going to be putting blood on our doors. Christ was the Lamb. Christ's blood was already shed. He's the Lamb, the blood that we must be covered in. Let's go to verse, jump down to verse 36. Verse 36. And looking upon Christ as he walked, he said... Behold the Lamb of God. Read that again. Verse 36. And looking upon Christ as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Christ was the Lamb of God, the Lamb of the Most High. He was the Lamb, brothers and sisters, from the Passover. He was the Passover Lamb, brothers and sisters. We need to show you that. Because you may run into a Christian sometime or a friend or a cousin or somebody who actually talked to you about it. And, you know. You try to pull them out of that darkness of where they have befallen that 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 foolish deception of, you know, celebrating Easter over the Passover. Even if you did celebrate Easter, which I'm I think you shouldn't, because I'm going to tell you one thing, it's satanic and it's pagan. But at least you should still be celebrating the Passover. Passover and Easter have nothing to do with each other. If you're going to follow Easter. Why not follow the Passover? Why? Because Christ said, remember his death. He never said, celebrate his resurrection. That's the difference. Two different, it's two different times in history, brothers and sisters. One is a fallacy. The other is authentic and legitimate. Passover is legitimate, brothers, brothers and sisters. It's authentic. It has that girth. We're going to 1 Peter chapter 1. Brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse 18 and 19. First Peter 1 and 18. 
For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. So we, we know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things. Continue. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, Christ was that unblemished lamb. Christ was that unblemished lamb that was prophesied in Isaiah 53 that was commanded to be killed. As a Passover, uh, as a Passover sacrifice in Exodus and Leviticus, that was Christ, brothers and sisters. So, if you're following Christ, you should come together with your friends and your family, have some lamb if you can. If not, you know, just eat lawful food. But you should come together and tell your children or your friends and family we should remember this day, especially, in particularly, if you're an Israelite, if you were the people who was rescued from Egypt. That crossed the Red Sea. This is what facilitated us crossing the Red Sea. The death angel. That was the last plague that they were hit with before they let us go. So you'll celebrate Christmas and say, well, I know it's not really Christ's birthday, but I'm, I, you know, I want to put Christ in it. How are you going to put Christ in something that he's, he was never in and then not celebrate what is there? So please come out of this deception, brothers and sisters. The Passover is lawful. Christ celebrated the Passover. Read those two scriptures one more time, brother. Verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's Christ, brothers and sisters. That was Christ. Now, for those who want to celebrate the Passover, that is March 24th, 2018. That's when it is, brothers and sisters. Come together with your friends, your family, your mother, your father. Who's Who would reject a feast? All you have to do is come together for a feast. And then, you know, maybe you go through the scriptures of Exodus 12. You don't have to go through everything we went through, but you can go through Exodus 12 and then, you know, just say why we're there. Because that's, you know, that's what's commanded of us, brothers and sisters. We, we celebrate all these other days. I see people celebrating Groundhog's Day, uh, um, uh, St. Patrick's Day, Fourth of July, President's Day. So you celebrate all those days, which are proven to be satanic and highly pagan. And then you ignore the Passover. You ignore the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You ignore all of those. You need to examine that, brothers and sisters. Let's read 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Christ our Passover. See? Christ was the Passover, brothers and sisters. He was the lamb. Sacrificed for the Passover. On the Passover. Look how perfect that is. And see, the holy days or holidays that we celebrate as our church, as Israelites, you can go find, you know, the history or the origin behind them in Scripture. We don't just make up stuff and say, oh, right, well, because a groundhog comes out the ground, it's actually a holiday, right? Or because, uh, you know, whatever whatever reasons they come up with, brothers and sisters, there's new holy holidays every year, I feel like. They even give us celebrities holidays now. But then you'll disrespect the most eyes. the most highs days. You'll close on Sunday. You'll close on Christmas. You'll close on Easter. But then... On the most highest holy days, you, you know, you pay it no mind. 
You paid no mind. So you're not, if you're not dealing with the holy days, you're not dealing with Christ. You're not following Christ. You're not following the disciples. Because why? Christ celebrated the Passover, brothers and sisters. Christ celebrated the Passover. So we wanted to show you the, the foundation, the spiritual significance of the Passover. Now, we're going to go into Easter. We're going to give you the origin and the history behind Easter, brothers and sisters. We're going to go into a couple of we're going to go into a couple of sources. We we're going to use the of course the King James Version Bible. We're going to use an encyclopedia. We're going to use a dictionary, Strong's Concordance. We're going to use all of those. Uh, we're going to use a bevy of secular sources to prove the accounts of the Bible. Because why? Sometimes Scripture just isn't enough for us. You need secular history that have nothing to do with Christians. In order to prove something to brothers and sisters. So we not getting the foundation out of these books. But we use these books to prove what the Bible already said. So we want to show you. Uh, we're going to actually give you the verse, the first scripture of where Christians take you to to say they celebrated Easter. And it's in Acts 12 and 1. Easter is in the Bible one time. But we're going to you know study it on a scholarly level. To see what it's actually saying. Because why? The Romans used trickery to get us to follow pagan goddesses. And you're going to find out that Easter or Esther is a pagan goddess. Constantine in the 4th century, after Christ was already dead and gone, took over our records. Became what they call these new Christians. The Christians back then were black. The, the disciples were black. The Israelites were black. But now, in this Western world, when you think Christian, you think... Oh, European white people that came with a picture of Christ and taught you about, you know, taught you about Christ. When really, no. The pagans, the Romans, took us down. Killed us. Killed the disciples. And then they took over the authority, claiming they were the Christians. That's just like if you've ever been in the military or on a team. You kill or you destroy the enemy, and then you put on the enemy's uniform. And now you're acting like you're the enemy because you have the uniform on. So what they did was they killed the Israelites. And then they took the doctrine of the Bible and said, you know what, now we're going to teach paganism out of the Bible. Because why? The Romans are the same people who killed Christ. How are they now the authority on what holy days to follow? We're going to take you to the scripture that they use to say that Easter is in the Bible. This is a deeply rooted deception, brothers and sisters, and we need to highlight it. We need to put a magnifying glass on it. Therefore, you can know the trickery of the devil. We're going to read Acts 12. We're going to read 1 through 4. Acts 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And, became, uh, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of the shoulders to keep him. How many of them was it, brother? Four. Right. Four quaternions of the soldiers. Why? Look at how many soldiers it take to hold down this Christian, this Christian man. Look at this. Because why? Because they knew that Christ's doctrine could tear down everything, tear down the foundations of the paganism of the world. Because why? You got to remember the Romans were in their height during Christ's uh, time of living. Read that verse four, four one more time, brother. Verse four. 
And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, attending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. See, Christians see that right there. Oh, see, Easter's in the Bible. Close the Bible. <laughs> That's all I need to see. See, what if you found out, though, that Easter wasn't there? What if you find out that Easter was pagan and it was injected because it was another word? Because, look, it tells you then were the days of unleavened bread. So unleavened bread was being celebrated around this time. So what they did was they took control of the record and then just injected that word, a word here and a word there. Why? Because some people just need, you know, some credence. To be able to do what they want to do. Some people just, this all they need. They only need one word. But for those of us who are studying on a scholarly level, we're going to show you that Christ had nothing to do with Easter. We're going to go into the Strong's Concordance and show you when you look at that word Easter. Anybody who knows what the Strong's Concordance is knows that the Strong's Concordance give you the, the Hebrew and Greek words. The Hebrew and Greek words uh, for the for the word the English word that's in the Bible. So when you see a word like Easter, know that it didn't say Easter when the Bible was translated. Why? Because there was no English. So it gives you the word that was there before the English to let you know if the rendering was correct. So we're going to go to Acts 12 and 4. And we're going to look at that word Easter and what was there before the translation. What number is Easter, brother? Greek number 3957. So G3957, because why? The New Testament was translated out of Greek, the Old Testament out of the Hebrew. Why? Because there was more Greek fragments that was found of the New Testament. So that's why we're going into the Greek. Any any teacher, any theologian knows what a strong concordance is. Now, we're going to click, we're going to go to Easter, and the number that it gives you is G3957, and the word is Pascha. Now, Pascha means what, brother? Where it says, it says H6453, and then it says what? It says the Passover. The what? The Passover. The Passover. So the definition of Easter right here is the Passover. The word was Pascha. So it didn't say Easter. It actually said Passover, brothers and sisters. Get your strong concordance. Look at that number. 34, uh, excuse me, 3957, which was Pascha, and then it'll tell you that the definition is the Passover. In fact, I'm going to have Brother Corey read the second definition. The Paschal Lamb, the Lamb the Israelites were accustomed to slay and to eat on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, the first month of their year. The first month of their year. It wasn't Nisan. The Babylonians started to net use these pagan names because the Most High only told us month one, month two. But we notice it says the first month of their year to prove that we're not on their time. We don't, we don't follow Gentile times. Continue, brother. In memory of the day on which their fathers preparing to depart from Egypt were bitten by God to slay and eat a lamb and to sprinkle their doorposts with the blood that the destroying angel, seeing the blood, might pass over their dwellings. Christ crucified is likened to the slain Pascal lamb. Right. See, so when you look at that word Easter, it it, it doesn't, it doesn't, the definition isn't Easter, it's actually Passover. See, and they knew this. They only needed to change it one time. Now, my question is, why not, if it's talking about Passover, then why not just put Passover? Why put Easter? Because Easter's nowhere else in the Bible. They just need to put it there one time to give, you know, in order to give some credibility for those who just need, you know, 
to deal in their paganism. See, that word didn't say Easter. It said Passover, brothers and sisters. And how do we know? Because we just looked at the, the Greek word that was there before. That's why I said during these were the days of unleavened bread. Now, I spoke to a Mormon years ago, an older gentleman, well-knowledged man. And I told, you know, we were just discussing some things and he would ask me, well, did I want to come to the Mormons for Easter? And I said, you know what, sir, that's strange because, you know, I celebrate the Passover and uh, the Bible doesn't say celebrate Easter. He said, well, Easter and Passover is the same thing. See, that let me know that he knew that the word wasn't Easter. It was Passover. But he didn't know that I had knowledge. So he thought that I would just say, oh, Easter and Passover are the same thing. No, it's not, though. Easter is according to Christians, the resurrection of Christ. Passover is the death of Christ. Complete difference. So they're not the same, sir. And I told him that. And he was like, oh. And he was thinking. I could see his mind working. This brother, he knows something. Because see, sometimes when, you, when you're talking to Christians or those who don't know you, you got to play dumb a little bit. You got to play, you got to know when to play dumb. Don't go in just trying to tell people, you know, See if they're going to be honest with you. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Don't just go in trying to browbeat them. See, he didn't think I knew. But that's what they'll do. If you don't know, they'll just lead you to believe that Easter and Passover are the same, which they're not. Even though the word Easter, when you go to the definition of it, is Passover. They did that on purpose. Because they were, they were following a Babylonian goddess named Esther. Or Star. See? And this is the worship of it. We're going to go into the Bible dictionary and we're going to read the word, uh, excuse me, the definition for Easter. Easter. Rendered Easter in Acts 12 and 4 in the King James Version, but correctly translated Passover. Read that again, brother. Easter or Passover. Right. It says Easter or what, brother? Or Passover. Or Passover. So right when you go, and I didn't write this, Corey, brother Corey doesn't have a printing press. This is a Zondervan Bible dictionary. When you look up that word Easter, it's rent, it says Passover. Read that one more time, brother. Easter or Passover rendered Easter in Acts 12 and 4 in the King James Version, but correctly translated Passover. It's correctly translated Passover, brothers and sisters. See, so you have to do a little research. Prove, you know, studies that show thyself approved. Don't just go to the first thought. Oh, well, I see it there one time and that's it. Because the thing is, why isn't it anywhere else in the Bible? If it was Passover, and we saw that all throughout the Bible. We saw it in uh, the Gospel. We saw it in Leviticus. We saw it in Exodus. Why not just put it there? See? Because why? The Romans were dealing with the goddess Esther. We're going to show you that, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to the Bible really quick. Uh, we're going to jump back in the Bible. We're going to read John 8 and 32. Because why? Brothers and sisters, you, the Most High have sent us as messengers to pull the veil off your eyes. That Satan have done a number. He spent millions, billions of dollars to keep you asleep and keep you unaware to the fact that these holidays are pagan and sadistic. John 8, verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, the truth shall make you free. The Most High would always make the truth known. He would make the truth known, even though these, these, uh, you know, these deviant Satanists try to change up a word in the Bible. We know that 
by two or three by two or three witnesses, everything is established. That means you can't show me something one time in the Bible and think I'm going to believe it. Show me in the Bible where it says it multiple times. Because somebody can find something and manipulate it to be something else. By two or three witnesses, the Bible, everything that it brings forward in account, you can find it multiple times in the Bible. That's why you can't find Easter at all anywhere else. Because they just put it in one place because they knew you would just see that and say, oh, okay. As a Christian, I'll just see that and be like, oh, okay, so they were celebrating Easter. It's right there. I won't go into no further research. No further research. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free, brothers and sisters. We're here to deliver the truth. We're going to Jeremiah 8 and 8. We're going to read Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 8. Jeremiah 8, verse 8. How do ye say we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. Right. Why is the pen of the scribes in vain? Because they started to inject their ideologies into our records. But why? The Most High would not allow, you know, for them to completely and utterly deceive us. The Most High would always make a way for us to understand and have a clear understanding in the truth. So the pen of these scribes that started to inject certain words in our Bible to promote Gentile pagan worships is in vain. Why? Because we still came to the truth. We still came to the truth, even though they've lied, even though they've tried to change things in our records. We're going to Job 13 and 4. Job 13 verse 4. But ye are forgers of lies. Read that again. But ye are forgers of lies. Forgers of lies. That means they there will be an institution that will sit down and forge lies to give to give credence to a uh, Gentile pagan teachings. So they're forgers of lies because why? It didn't say Easter. It said Passover. But that would be enough. So in three twenty five A D, uh, the Romans integrated Christianity with paganism during the Nicene Creed, Constantine. They said, you know what, we want a lot of people, we want the Christians and the pagans to come together because we'll have more numbers, but we've got to compromise. So we'll use the characters of the Bible, but we'll teach our pagan ways through their characters. See, that was a compromise. That was the compromise. They started to switch everything. Go to Daniel 7 and 25, brother. Daniel 7 verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of times. So they would think to change times. What time? They changed the Sabbath to Sunday. They changed the holy days' names. They started telling us that Easter was Passover. No, it's not. Because if it is, just call it Passover. Then. Why do I need to call it Easter then if it's the same thing? Because it's not. And they know it's not. They know it's not. This is a tradition of men. They switched everything up. Established by the Most High. Sunday, Christmas, Easter. All of that. They've lied concerning Christ's birth. Concerning his death. Concerning his resurrection. You know, in regards to his second coming. They have gravitated towards Christ and now have become, the, you know, the controllers of the doctrine in their paganism. They're dealing with straight paganism, brothers and sisters, and they never thought, you know, some slaves would be able to go into the Bible and break this down. 
they're dealing with the goddess Estar, brothers and sisters, a Babylonian goddess. And we're going to prove that. We're going to go to Job 9.24, and then we're going to jump into our records. We've got a few more scriptures before we go into our historical records. We need to set the stage. Job 9 and 24, because why? Some people ask, you know, well, if, if God's day is Passover and Easter's not right, then why is Easter so, you know, why is Easter so popular? Why is it being promoted as such? And this is why. Job 9 and 24. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. Read that again. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. So the wicked would what? They would trick the world to serve their God. They can't tell you that that's who they're serving because people wouldn't readily just serve Satan. So they've tricked you. They've advertised it. They've made it commercialized. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked, brothers and sisters. We're going to uh, Colossians 2 and 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. So it says beware. Anytime you hear beware, you usually don't go there. It says beware lest any man spoil you. Spoil means you're no good to the most high. You can't be used. That's what spoil means. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Philosophy, a man speaking without scripture... That's philosophy. Your pastor will philosophize something to you, knowing darn well that Easter is not scripturally sound. But you know what? He philosophized it so well, I'll come to church on Sunday. He made it sound so good. I know he didn't use scripture, but you know what? I'll come to church. Read that again, brother. Verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. To, to the traditions of men. See, this is a tradition of men. This has nothing to do with the Most High or Christ. Easter is a tradition of men. After the rudiments of the world. Getting that money. And not after Christ. See, it's not about Christ, brothers and sisters. This is not about Christ. So, you, you listen, you need to be very cautious. Because if you're spoiled, that means you have no value. Based upon you following your vanity. What you're going to find out is that Easter is a tradition of men that predates Christ by half a century. When did Christ say celebrate his resurrection? Hmm? What do bunnies and eggs have to do with Christ? When I was a child, I used to think that. What do bunnies and eggs have to do with Christ? Now, listen, I was young. I thought it was fun as a child. You know, you go to church. Your family take you to church as a family day. You go do an Easter egg hunt, right? I fell victim to that too. But as an adult, we need answers. And come to find out, it's pagan. And it have nothing to do with Christ. Now, it wouldn't be so bad if they just didn't try to correlate it with Christ. They just had whatever reason. But we're going to show you what the eggs mean. We're going to show you what the bunnies mean. We're going to show you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Matthew 24 because Christ had a warning. This was Christ's warning, brothers and sisters. Matthew 24, 1 through 5. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Christ went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. 
And Christ said unto them, See ye not all the things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? What shall be what? The sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Right. Now listen to what Christ said. Look, listen to what he said first. Verse 4. And Christ answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now look, examine that, brothers and sisters. He could have went into a whole, he could have went into a bevy, a litmus of things. The first thing he said is first. Take heed that no man deceive you. Read that again, brother. Verse 4. And Christ answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So first, Christ would need to emphasize that there's gonna when he dies, there's gonna be a people that pop up using his name that's gonna start lying. Mm-hmm. Continue, brother. Verse five For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So the first thing he said when they asked what'll be the sign of his coming, he said, Let no man deceive you, because there'll be a high level of deceitfulness during that time, which is now. And it would be coming from who? Those calling themselves Christians, predominantly the Roman Catholic Church. They would come in Christ's name and deceive many. So Christ is telling you, my coming will be distorted by a deception. We're going to show you that deception. We're going into the book, The Two Babylons. We're going to page 74. Now, this book, Two Babylons, was published in the early 1900s. I believe it was 1913 or I think... Yeah, 1913. Uh, it's an old record. It's over 100 years old by a gentleman named Alexander Hislop, who was a serious, serious scholar. And what he did was he went into uh, uh, he went into a, a bevy of historical records, got the sources, and then showed the correlation between the worships, the holidays of America, and ancient Babylon. We know that the Bible calls America the daughter of Babylon. Why? Because all the celebrations are Babylonian. So this book is called The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop. You need to get this record, brothers and sisters. You can get this actually while it's still available. You, you can get the PDF, actually, and follow along with us if you want to. But this is a serious record, brothers and sisters, over 100 years old. And it's a historical record to show you the significance and the details concerning Easter and its origin. We're going to read uh, verse, excuse me, chapter 24. <clears throat> Excuse me, <laughs> not chapter 24, but page 74. Page 74, chapter 3, section 2, titled Easter. What means the term Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. Easter is nothing else than Astarte, one of the titles of Beltis, the Queen of Heaven. The Queen of Heaven, Astar, or Astarte, spelled, it's spelled A-S-T-A-R-T-E. A star, a star or a star tank. Read that again, brother. Read that from the top. What means the term Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. Easter is nothing else than a star tank. One of the titles of Beltis, the queen of heaven. Queen of heaven. Hold on. Queen of heaven. Where have we heard that before? Queen of heaven. Let's prove to you that that was a god, a goddess, excuse me, a fertility goddess, a star or a star tank. That we worshipped in the Old Testament. That was the reason why we part of the reason why we were destroyed. We're going to Jeremiah 7 and 16 to prove to you that the Queen Mother of Heaven was written of in scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 7, 
verse 16. Jeremiah 7 and 16. Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Jump to verse 18, brother. Verse 18. The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead the dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. To who? The queen of heaven. To who? The queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings unto other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. Right, see, so we started offering to other gods, the queen of heaven. This record, the two Babylons, just told us that Astar, or Astarte, is uh, the queen mother of heaven. It's one of the names of the queen of heaven. See? So, brothers and sisters, this is the worship of a woman. Estar or Astarte. See? This has nothing to do with Christ, brothers and sisters. Do the research. Do the research because the things that you care about, you do the research on. Now, you need to, if you can, go on your, your Google or your search engine and type in that name. Type in that name. Estar or Estarte. So you can get the origin and the history of it. It says the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their doughs to make cakes to the queen of heaven. That's where that that's where the uh the Babylonian the Babylonian birthday cake celebrations come from. Making wishes, right? Putting candles on the cake. See? And it's predominantly women who are pushing that. That's Babylonian brothers and sisters. Babylonian. We're going to have uh, Brother Corey read verse 18 again. Verse 18. The children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire. And the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. All right. We need to show you that queen of heaven was written of in the Bible. We're going back to the two Babylons. We're going to start at page 74 again. Get this record, brothers and sisters. This is a historical record and it's sourced over a hundred years old. Everyone knows that the name of Easter used in our trans translations of Acts 12 and 4 refers not to any Christian festival. Actually start at the beginning again, brother. What means the term Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. Easter is nothing else than a star tape, one of the titles of Beltis, the queen of heaven. Spell Estarte or Estar. A-S-T-A-R-T-E Spell it one more time, brother. A-S-T-A-R-T-E All right, brothers and sisters, you need to get your pens and paper. Write that down so you can do the research on the origin of this goddess. Because they don't expect you to do the research. Continue, brother. Everyone knows that the name Easter, used in our translation of Acts 12 and 4, refers not to any Christian festival, but to the Jewish Passover. Right, the Passover, see? So even in this record, in 1900, they knew that that word Easter in the translation of Acts 12, 4, 12 and 4 is actually not Easter. It's really the Passover. Read that again, brother. Everyone knows that the name Easter, used in our translation of Acts 12 and 4, refers not to any Christian festival, but to the Jewish Passover. This one of the few places in our in our version that the translators show an undue bias. This is one of the places in the version where the translators showed an undue bias. See? They were biased. Why? Because they were pagans. See? They injected that word there. Continue, brother. That festival agreed originally with the time of the Jewish Passover. The Passover. See? That word Easter 
In that same scripture, it says Feast of Unleavened Bread. When we know that the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts with the Passover. Continue, brother. Was believed to have been the 23rd of March. Read that again. Was believed to have been the 23rd of March. So that festival agreed originally with the time of the Passover. It was believed to have been the 23rd of March. And it is. It's March 24th. Sun down on the 23rd. When the sun goes down, it's a new day. So when the sun goes down on Friday the 23rd, it's actually the beginning of the Passover. Sundown to sundown. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is the Passover, brothers and sisters. Read that whole little part again, brother. That festival agreed originally with the time of Jewish Passover. Was believed to have been the 23rd of March. That festival was not idolatrous. And was preceded by no Lent. Right. That festival was not idolatrous. Passover is not idolatrous. Easter is. You're going to find that out. Continue, brother. To conciliate the pagans to nominal Christianity, Rome, pursuing its original, pursuing its usual policy, took measures to get the Christian and pagan festivals amalgamated. Hold on. So the Romans started to amalgamate the pagans and the Christian festivals, which means to conjoin them. They mixed them. So now the pagans can feel okay. They can come worship. Because why? All the days that Christians are celebrating are pagan. (laughs) See? Read that again, brother. To conciliate the pagans to nominal Christianity, Rome, pursuing its usual policy, took measures to get the Christian and pagan festivals amalgamated and by complicated by... And by a complicated but skillful adjustment of the calendar, it was found no difficult matter in general to get paganism and Christianity now far sunk in adultery. See, so pagan paganism is Christianity. Christianity, the new Christianity, have become paganism and it's sunken down in idolatry. See, go to the next page, brother. Pagan Easter enforced by Rome at the time of its enforcement was a whole month. See, so pagan Easter enforced by Rome. Why did we go to Rome? Why are we talking about Rome? Because Rome was at its height when Christ was walking earth. So you need to know what was going on in Rome. Read it again, brother. Pagan Easter enforced by Rome at the time of its enforcement was a whole month. It was a whole month, brothers and sisters, and it was enforced. And it was only by violence and bloodshed. Read that again. And it was only by violence and bloodshed. At last, that the festival of the Anglo-Saxon or Chaldean goddess came to supersede that which had been held in honor of Christ. See, so the Chaldean goddess superseded what now is held in the honor of Christ. Pagan Easter. It said pagan Easter. It literally says pagan Easter. Because they know it's known. I read a book one time many, many years ago, almost in the almost in the 90s, I believe, or the really early 2000s, where there was a witch who wrote a book. She came into Christianity and she realized that Christianity was witchcraft. Why? Because the same pagan day she was celebrating as a witch, they were celebrating in the Christian church, just calling it a different name. And she, she wrote a book on that. And there was much, a lot of people, a lot of Christians attacked her. But she was telling the truth. These holidays that are being celebrated by Christians, the pagans are celebrating these days. Why would an atheist be celebrating Easter? You don't believe in Christ. Why why is an atheist celebrating Easter? (laughs) Why is a Buddhist celebrating Easter? See? Because they have nothing to do with Christ. They just trick Christians into believing such. Continue, brother. Such is the history of Easter. 
the popular observances that still attend the period of its celebration imply, confirm the testimony of history as to its Babylonian character. Right. So Easter has Babylonian character. Remember, we know Babylon, the Tower of Babel, where they tried to fight against Christ. Continue, brother. The dyed eggs of Pasch or Easter Sunday. The dyed eggs, brothers and sisters. Figured in the Chaldean rites just as they do now. Right, see, so the dyed eggs is part of that too. We get ready to go into what the eggs, where the eggs and stuff came from. Because it's had nothing to do with Christ, brothers and sisters. In the Dionysiaca or Mysteries of Bacchus, as celebrated in Athens, one part of the nun the nocturnal cer- ceremony consisted in the consecration of an egg. The consecration of an egg. Continue, brother. The Hindu fables celebrate their mundane eggs as of a golden color. See? The Hindus, they're, they, they're dealing with eggs too. Look at their worship with the egg. What is this egg? The people of Japan make their sacred eggs to have been brazen. What, look, now are these people dealing with Christ? See? So what it's showing you is that all ancient societies were dealing in this same worship. They may have not been calling it Easter, but they were dealing with the same worship. Continue, brother. In China, at this hour, dyed or painted eggs are used to, on sacred festivals, even as in this country. In ancient times, eggs were used in the religious rites of the Egyptians and the Greeks. See, the eggs, and you, a lot of people don't even know. What's... what's, what's what does dying eggs have to do with Christ? A lot of you don't even know. That's why you people got, you know, grandmoms and aunties have those eggs sitting up on a mantle. Don't even know what it's about. It's ancient Babylonian, brothers and sisters. Continue. In the time of Augustus, who was skilled in all the wisdom of his native country, an egg of wondrous size is said to have fallen from heaven into the river Euphrates. An egg was said to have fallen from the heavens into the river Euphrates. Continue, brother. The fishes rolled it to the bank where the doves have settled upon it. So the fishes rolled this huge egg that they claim fell from heaven. This is where the egg comes from, brothers and sisters. The fishes rolled it to the bank where the doves having settled upon it and hashed it. Out came Venus, who afterward was called the Syrian goddess that is a star tape. Hence, the egg became one of the symbols of a star tape or Easter. Right. So the egg was a symbol of Astarte or Estar or Easter. They're all the same word. Astarte or Easter or Estar. And actually, we're going to show you that because we have another record. Brother, I need you to get that Encyclopedia of Gods and go to Astarte or Estar and then spell it first, brother. Brother, tell us the page that you're on. Page 29. So page 29, the Encyclopedia of Gods by a man named Michael Jordan. Not the athlete, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Astarte, spelled A-S-T-A-R-T-E. Fertility goddess. Read that again. Fertility goddess. Fertility goddess. See, that's where the bunnies and the eggs come from, brothers and sisters. This is a fertility goddess. Bunnies are known for what? Having a lot of offspring. Eggs is what? <laughs> See? This is where the eggs and the bunny come from. The fertility goddess. Astarte or Astar. Continue, brother. The goddess of the evening star, of war, and of sexual love. 
in Hellenic times, she became largely synchronized with the Greek goddess Aphrodite. So she was also known as Aphrodite. Astarte is typically depicted naked and in the Egyptian style wears a crown of cows. Astarte, Istar, and Isara. Right, so those are also names for her. Why? Because in different colonies or different uh, communities, they're speaking different languages, so there's a different name. But it's the same God. See? So we need to show you that Astar or Astarte, spelled Astarte, is actually a goddess, a fertility goddess. See? Now we're going to go back into the book, The Two Babylons. We're going to pick up where we left off on page 76, the last paragraph, brother. Page 76. The occult meaning of this mystic egg of Astarte is one of its aspects, for it had a twofold significance. Had reference to the ark during the time of the flood, in which the whole human race was shut up as the chick is enclosed in the egg before it is hatched. So, as the chick is enclosed in the egg, and see, that's where those little chickadees come from. When you go into Dwayne Reed and Walmart, uh, CVS, and you see those little marshmallow birds, those chicks, see? They claim that the egg, during the flood, the human race was shut up in an egg, and it hatched as a chickadee. Read that again, brother, that whole part. The occult meaning of this mystic egg of a Astarte is one of its aspects, for it had a twofold significance. It had reference to the ark during the time of the flood, in which the whole human race was shut up, as the chick is enclosed in the egg before it is hatched. See, this is where the chickadees come from. Everybody know those little marshmallow candies, like purple, yellow, pink. This is where it comes from. Continue, brother. The sacred egg of paganism. Read that again. The sacred egg of paganism. Read that again. The sacred egg of paganism. The sacred egg of paganism. All commu all nations are dealing with this egg, and they're not calling it Easter, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. The sacred egg of paganism, as already in indicated, is well known as the mundane egg. That is, the egg in which the world was shut up. Right, see? That's the egg. That's the egg, brothers and sisters, that they claim. And they claim in the whole world was <laughs> put inside of a, you know, inside of an egg to be protected from the flood. Continue, brother. Now the Romish church adopted this mystic egg of Astarte and consecrated it as a symbol of Christ's resurrection. Read that again, brother. Now the Romish church adopted this mystic egg of Astarte and consecrated it as a symbol of Christ's resurrection. See? So they've taken a, a pagan symbol that was known to be pagan and then gave it to, uh, as a symbol for Christ's resurrection. Remember what Christ said? Take heed that no man deceive you. See? The Queen Mother of Heaven, a star or a starte, spelled A S T A R T E, a star or a starte. See? This was written of in a history record over a hundred years ago. So it's known that Easter is pagan. That the, the whole deal with the eggs, dying eggs, and birds and bunnies, and all of that's pagan, brothers and sisters. Ask yourself, what do that have to do with Christ? So should you not be celebrating the Passover as opposed to celebrating this devious, pagan, sadistic worship? Hmm? Let's go to Jeremiah 44 and 17. Because remember, this book said a star or a starte, one of her names, 
was who? The queen mother of heaven. Let's see what the Bible has to say about the queen mother of heaven. Does the Bible speak about her? See? We're going to Jeremiah 44. We're going to read 17 through 19. Jeremiah 44 and 17. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. Read that again. To burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of vitalities and were well and saw no evil. Right, see? So we started sacrificing to the queen of heaven, which is Astra or Easter or Esther. Continue, brother. Verse 18. But since we left off the, to burn incense to the queen of heaven. Read that again. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. We have wanted all things. It says we have wanted all things. Why? Because the Most High is not providing it. Since we started to burn incense and follow the Queen of Heaven, the Most High have stopped providing for us. Continue. Verse 18. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her? And pour out drink offerings unto her without our men. Right. So the women started doing this without the men. They would make cakes in worship of her. This is Astra or Esther. She goes by a couple different names depending on what location you're in. Because why? In Asia, she's called something different. In Greece, she's called something different. Astarte or Easter or Astra. We're going to show you the queen mother of heaven. We dealt with this in the Old Testament. And that's why we were destroyed. Further proof. Let's go to 1 Kings 11 and 4 through 6. Because who is the Queen Mother of Heaven? We're going to show you. Who's the Queen Mother of Heaven? 1 Kings 11, 4 through 6. 1 Kings 11 and 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. And was the heart of David his father. So Solomon started to go off. He had many wives and his many wives worshipped other gods. Therefore, he fell to those same gods. Continue. Verse 5. For Solomon went after Asterisk. Went after who? Asterisk. Spell that again. Spell that, brother. A-S-H-T-O-R-E-T-H. Read that one more time. For Solomon went after Asterisk. Spell that again, brother. A-S-H-T-O-R-E-T-H. The goddess of... Of the Zidonians. Right. So Solomon went after Ashtoreth. The goddess of the Zidonians. Now who is Ashtoreth? You would never guess. Who is Ashtoreth? Brother, let's go to that book. Let's go back to the Encyclopedia of Gods. And let's read Ashtoreth. Spell it first and then and then tell them who it is, brother. Ashtoreth. A-S-T-O-R-E-T-H. Fertility goddess. Who? Fertility goddess. See? Astra. Or Astarte or Ishtar is Ashtoreth, which is what? The fertility goddess. Mm -hmm. That's where the fertility comes from, brothers and sisters. That's where the eggs come from in the bunnies. So Solomon went after the fertility goddess of the Zidonians, who's known as the queen mother of heaven. Continue, brother. Ashtoreth equates with the Syrian goddess Astarte. See? So Astarte and Ashtra are the same. The queen of heaven. Read that part again. 
Asterisk equates with the Syrian goddess Astarte, both being modeled on the Mes- Mesopotamian Ishtar. Right, Ishtar. Right, see? So she have different names depending on what, uh, demogra- what demographic you're in. It's the same god. It's a pagan demon from the pits of hell, brothers and sisters. We're going to go back to 1 uh, Kings 11 so we can read that again. 1 Kings 11 and 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. And that as was the heart of David his father. Okay, uh, continue brother. Read t- through 6. Verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, and did David his father. Right, see, so Solomon did evil by going after Ashtoreth. See? See, Ashtoreth was the queen of heaven. Ishtar, Estar, Astarte, Ashtoreth. See, this is written of all throughout the Bible, brothers and sisters. You must do your research. You must do your research, brothers and sisters. Go to 2 Kings 23 and 13, brother. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 13. 2 Kings 23, verse 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built it for Ashtoreth. So Solomon built a temple for Ashtoreth. Spell Ashtoreth again, brother. A-S-H-T-O-R-E-T-H. Right, see? Read that again, brother. Verse 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built it for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Zidonians. Right. See, so we needed to show you that Ashtoreth was being worshipped by our people before. And now they snuck her in again by calling it Easter or Esther or Astarte. See? So we needed to show you the history, the origin of that pagan death. We have more, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Matthew 12 and 40. Why? Because the Christians are saying Christ died and rose again on the Thursday on the third day and that was Sunday. We're gonna see what the Bible has to say about that. We're gonna see what the Bible has to say about that, brothers and sisters. We're gonna read Matthew twelve and forty. Matthew twelve verse forty. For as for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Right, see, so Christ would be in the earth three days and three nights. Now, I don't know if Christians can't read, but how can you get three days and three nights from Friday sundown into Sunday? Let's do it. Let's count it together. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, one. Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown, two. Sunday sundown to Monday sundown is three. See, so you can't even get three days out of Good Friday to Sunday. See? We're delusional. We're drunk off that wine, brothers and sisters. It says three days and three nights he shall be in the heart of the earth, brothers and sisters. And that brings up the other fact. They claim that they're worshiping on a Sunday because Christ rose on a Sunday, which he didn't. Christ did not rise on a Sunday. Read it again, brother. Verse 40, 
For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Right. So we needed to prove to you that, number one, Christians clearly... They're, they've stopped counting. I'm not sure what transpired in those churches, but you cannot get three days from Friday because you don't count the day you're in. It said Friday as the sun was going down, Christ was crucified. You can't get three days between Good Friday and, and, and so-called Easter, brothers and sisters. You cannot. Let's go to first. Excuse me. Let's go to First Corinthians 10 and 20. First Corinthians 10 verse 20. But I say that the things which a Gentile sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. Read that again, brother. Verse 20. But I say that the things which the Gentile sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. Right. The things that the Gentile sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. These are Gentile gods. These are Gentile worships, brothers and sisters. Read, read, read brother. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So you can't say you're down with the Most High and be dealing in all of these fictitious, uh, Satan, atheistic holidays. Easter had been proven to be pagan. They were celebrating Easter well before Christ. So it can't have anything to do with Christ if they were doing it before Christ, brothers and sisters. We were just reading Jeremiah, Queen Mother of Heaven. Christ wasn't born during the time of Jeremiah. So that had nothing to do with Christ. At all. Now, some people may have the question, what about the good people we know? You know, my grandma, my granddad, they always wanted us to go to church on Easter Sunday. You know, they thought, well, I'd rather you be in the church than be out there on the streets. Right? And, you know, it's unfortunate that Satanism was the other option. That's unfortunate. Romans 2 and 13, brothers and sisters. Romans 2 and 14. 13, actually. Verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Right. So now that you have the truth, you're responsible for that truth that you have. You will be responsible for that truth that you have, brothers and sisters, before you were under grace because you didn't know. But once you once you have the understanding, you're responsible for that understanding. Continue. Verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Right. So Gentiles having not the law, just like some Israelites didn't know the law, didn't know who we were. But we're just doing, you know, being a good person, trying to follow the most high to the best of our ability. What? We're doing the best, we, you know, they're doing the best they can do based on the knowledge they were exposed to. So why? They shouldn't be ridiculed. That's what this is saying. They shouldn't be ridiculed, brothers and sisters. See? We shouldn't be browbeating them because they're celebrating Easter. They should be able to receive it and make a conscious decision on their own. See? We're only bringing this out because why? We want to stimulate you looking into the research. That's why we brought it out. But we're not looking to, you know, 
antagonize or make somebody believe that, you, you know, antagonize them because somebody's going to church. Because that's how they feel. I'm just trying to do the right thing. So that's fine. But the truth is here now. So brothers and sisters, now you have a choice. Either you're going to purposely sin against the Most High, forget his holy day, which is the Passover, and pick up a pagan Easter worship. It's up to you. It's up to you, brothers and sisters. Let's go to John 7 and 38 in the gospel. John chapter 7, verse 38. John 7 and 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So you must worship the Most High how and when he said. See, if you believe in him, as the scripture have said. See, if I ask you to tell me about Easter, you, the only thing you can do is go to one scripture, which is totally broken down wrong. If you believe on him as the scripture have said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water, which means you would overflow. Because you can go all over the Bible and bring forth the doctrine of the Bible. You must believe on him as the scripture have said. Because some people will say, well, I know it's pagan. I know it's a, it's a fertility goddess, but I just, you know, I want to make Christ on that day. You can't do that. You must believe in Christ, or, you know, in the Most High and in Christ as what? As the scripture have said. And the scripture never said celebrate Easter. Even in that word where there, in that verse in Acts 12 and 4, where people think it says Easter, which it doesn't. But even there, it didn't say celebrate Easter. It didn't, that's, that scripture didn't say celebrate Easter either. You can't show me what the disciples or the Israelites or Abraham or any of the, any of our forefathers celebrated Easter, brothers and sisters. They celebrated what? The Passover. Matthew 18 and 3. Matthew 18, verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right, so you must be converted and become as a little child. Why? What does that mean? You must learn again. Why? Why does it say come as a child? Because a child don't have all these excuses. A child listens to what his parents say and they do it. So, our pe so people, adults especially... They'll make up every excuse on why they want to celebrate, uh, you know, Easter. They'll make up a million excuses on why they're still going to celebrate it. If you don't come as a child and learn again, because why? Everything you learned in Christianity was a lie. In regards to Christ, his birth, the color of Christ, who his people are, you must come as a child. Just listen to what your father says. Just read what the word says and do it. Don't try to fandango and come up with all these other back contrapment, do mental acrobatics to say it's okay for you to celebrate these pagan days. Read it again, brother. Verse 3, and said, verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Facts. That's a fact, brothers and sisters. That is a fact. We're going to Romans 3 and 3 because this is a question. That brothers and sisters had. Well, what if, what if we bring this lesson out and people still celebrate it? Or they say it's not true. Or they say they don't care. Let's see. Romans 3, verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So what if some people don't believe this? Even though we brought out encyclopedias, Bible dictionaries, secular history, secular sources, biblical history. <laughs> 
Some people, that's not going to be enough. Why? Because they just want to celebrate it. That's why. They don't care what it says. Read it again, brother. Verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall that unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yeah, let God be true, but every man a liar. Read that again. Yeah, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Right, see? So, if somebody don't believe, does that make God's word untrue? God forbid. Every man is a liar. See? Every man is a liar, but the most high God is the truth. So now, brothers and sisters, you have the choice of to celebrate the Passover here on what? March 24th? Or really, March 23rd sundown to March 24th sundown. That's a Friday. Sundown Friday to sundown the 24th Saturday is the Passover. From from March 24th sundown to March 30th sundown is what? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. So now you have a choice. We want to actually show you some insight. We got one more scripture because we want to show you. A lot of people may be thinking, why is he saying sundown? Let us prove to you that when the sun goes down, it's a new day. So Friday, when the sun goes down, it's actually Saturday already. We're going to prove it. Go to Genesis 1 and 1 through 4, brother. We're going to end it right here. But we need to show the brothers and sisters that March 24th, 2018, is the Lord's Passover. Don't follow those days on the calendar. Why? Because that, that that's another deception. When you pick up a calendar and it says Passover and these other days, that's the Jewish people trying to deceive you onto following their God again on a different day. March 24th, brothers and sisters. Uh, let's read Genesis 1 and 1. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. See, it was dark first. This is further proof that what? The earth is not flat. He said on the face of the deep. It's not a flat earth, brothers and sisters. Continue. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. See, let there be light. And there was light. See, so it was darkness on the face of the deep. Which was first. Continue. Verse 4. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And the what? The evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning was the first day, brothers and sisters. See? So evening to evening is a day, brothers and sisters. Day doesn't start at 1201. That's where they, in Daniel, where he said they would think to change times. See? From evening to evening. So Friday evening, once the sun goes down, is what? It's the Sabbath. So the Passover is from Friday the 23rd sundown to Saturday the 24th sundown. Why? Because on the sundown of Saturday, it's a different day. It's Sunday. And that's the what? That's the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, brothers and sisters. See? So today was a detailed, in-depth lesson called Passover or Easter. We want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we hope that you partake in this upcoming Passover and forego any pagan rituals. Sin no more and quam. 